Tuesday, February 28th marks one year since we launched the DSR Daily Brief. We're showing our thanks by providing you with our best sale price ever on membership. Through the end of March, visit the dsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DAILYBRIEF to receive 50% off our regular membership price of $50 per year or $5 per month. Members receive access to bonus content, an ad-free listening experience, exclusive blog posts, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. This is a one-time only offer, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DAILYBRIEF to receive 50% off. Thank you for your support. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you from Washington, D.C. We're joined today by our friend, uh, former senior Israeli diplomat and government advisor, Alon Pincus, who is in Israel. And the reason um, we are holding this special podcast is, of course, that over the weekend there were massive demonstrations in Israel, perhaps as many as 600,000 people, uh, focused on um, a series of events that could only really be described as a constitutional crisis at this point that included the uh, resignation or firing of the defense minister uh, associated uh, with uh, uh, his uh, 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 resistance to the Netanyahu judicial reforms uh, and have continued through to today with not just demonstrations, strikes, shutting down of the airport, uh, but also apparently a uh, decision by Netanyahu and his right-wing coalition to uh, postpone the judicial reforms until uh, allegedly the summer, uh, which does not mean uh, democracy has been saved uh, in Israel, although it seems to have been given a reprieve. Uh, and so the place I begin, since the situation is so fluid, um, uh, is with Alon and a question about whether I've summarized that well and what I've gotten wrong. No, you, you, you've summarized it uh, perfectly, David. Uh, thank you for being on your uh, podcast again. Uh, look, the demonstrations in the last week were unprecedented. The demonstration last night, um, that would be uh, uh, Sunday night uh, in, in Israel, uh, were something um, extraordinary and, and truly uh, fascinating in that it took less than an hour, less than an hour from the... Uh, news of Netanyahu dismissing the defense minister, who's not particularly popular amongst the demonstrators by any measure, but nonetheless, the context of his dismissal 
uh, drove 250,000 Israelis into the streets within an hour. Um, and there was this sense of elation uh, that I would call, and I don't tend to usually be uh, dramatic or uh, grandstanding, uh, there was a sense that this, is, this was a, a second independence day. Now, um, whether or not Netanyahu's decision today to suspend, he did not cancel the legislation, he, uh, um, he just suspended it until uh, July, um, as part of an agreement that he reached with his extreme nationalistic right-wing uh, partners, um, in exchange for which the, he will, he will um, authorize them to operate no less than a militia, an armed militia, um, subordinate to them, to, his, to a coalition party, which is a balkanization or Lebanonization of, of, of Israel. And so in that respect, David, saying that democracy won a reprieve uh, remains to be seen. Um, and the question is, will, will the demonstrations persist? Will anyone take Netanyahu's uh, word for it, for the uh, uh, suspension or the uh, uh, postponement? Um, disclaimer, and, and uh, probably not. Um, and, you know, let's see how the dynamic plays out in the next few weeks. It's not going to, it's not, there's going to be some kind of a, um, of, of a crescendo between now and July. This is not going to just uh, roll, you know, until July without anything happening. A lot, lot to unpack there. Uh, I should say to the audience that we are speaking in the middle of the day on Monday. This is relatively fluid. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has indicated that he is going to make remarks. Uh, he was supposed to do that several hours ago. Um, not sure exactly when today he will make the remarks, but uh, the substance of those remarks seems to have been uh, foreshadowed by this statement by one of the right-wing parties that that Netanyahu has agreed to freeze it. Let's uh, let's explore that for a brief second because I think it's relevant. Uh, you you indicated that they have been given the right to form a militia uh, right. or a national guard. This is uh, the, the 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 has been the wish of the national security. Uh, Minister um, Itamar Ben-Gavir, who is himself a convicted supporter of terrorists, right-wing terrorists. Only, only, only three times. Only three times, exactly. Uh, so he is one of the most extreme of the extremists. The thought of him having his own National Guard strikes me as absolutely crazy. Um, does it strike you as absolutely crazy? Of course it is. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not what you think when you uh, talk about a well-regulated militia. Uh, um, this, is, this is a Second Amendment without constitutional overview. Uh, this, is, this is essentially a militia that will be made of uh, um, extremist settlers that will, that will operate either in the territories, in the West Bank, against Palestinians, or inside Israel as an extra police force, as an extra curricular police forces, an extra uh, judicial police force, um, um, emphasize the extra, the extra, and the extra. This is, this is no less, David, than Netanyahu being um, um, a complete nihilist that he is, and recklessly outsourcing the state's uh, uh, sovereignty, you know, the monopoly over the legitimate use of uh, violence, quoting Max Weber, 
Um, he is um, uh, he's doing everything to buy some political time because he's in a serious political predicament. Um, well, yeah. be- go on. No, 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 please go ahead. No, I was just going to say he's in a serious li- political predicament and a serious legal predicament. Well, yeah. uh, and that is something that echoes with with what's going on here in the United States. Uh, because, I, you know, one of the reasons Netanyahu has a bee in his bonnet or a burr under his saddle about the judiciary is that the judiciary is coming after him. Um, and uh, the longer it goes unattended to, the greater the peril for him, right? Absolutely. Look, if, if you're looking for similarities between uh, Netanyahu and Trump, um, you don't need to, you, you, you do not need to look too far. Um, it's right there in front of you. Uh, the rhetoric, the MO, the, uh, uh, the you know, the, the victimization, uh, the, 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 the jargon, the lexicon, indeed, the entire uh, uh, political state of mind is identical. There's this deep state out to get me. There is a, uh, the, the deep state consists of the security organs and the security, the law enforcement agencies, and the uh, Justice Department slash the Ministry of Defense, uh, the, uh, the Ministry of Justice in Israel. Uh, the media is after me. It is funded from uh, by external sources. But by the way, both sides cite George Soros as, as one of the funders of the uh, of the campaign of the cabal and campaign against them. So the uh, uh, the similarities are uncanny. Um, you know. Uh, the, the, the only difference is that, that Trump was indicted after, or is being indicted after he was president, while Netanyahu was, is prime minister uh, um, throughout and during his, his trial on three separate indictments of corruption, breach of trust, and, uh, um, and bribery, alleged bribery. So the, uh, uh, you know, the, the way these these two democracies, Israel and the U.S., with all with all due uh, differences uh, between them, the, the the way the two are combating these anti-democratic forces is also something. To Look, you, you spoke about the uh, the demonstrations. Just to give uh, listeners um, a sense, David, until now, um, roughly twenty percent of Israelis participated in demonstrations. Twenty uh, percent is equivalent to 63, roughly 63 uh, million Americans, 64 million Americans. Uh, imagine that in, in two and a half months, 64 million Americans would have participated in demonstrations. This is astounding, and not to mention the fact that it, um, it, it applies to 80% of the population because the Arab population, the Palestinian population inside Israel, which consists of 20%, of, of uh, the general population has stayed out, by and large, stayed out of the demonstration. So the number, the number is huge. Netanyahu realizes that, and his the, this war that he's waging against, um, in fact, the entire country, but the, the specifically against the judiciary, is very much like the war that you see Trump or the Trumpists and, and the MAGA movement, if you can call it that, um, uh, conducting in the US. Did you go? And look at the demonstrations, participate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? What was it like? What was the mood like? Well, I wasn't there. I was in. I was there last night in a smaller demonstration because, believe it or not, on the way to the bigger demonstration, uh, the road was blocked by a smaller demonstration. So I, I had no, no choice but to get to get out of the car 
uh, um, and joined the smaller demonstration, uh, which also was 5,000 people, but, but almost nearly 5,000. Um, what you see is, is a rejuvenation of the concept of Israelis. You know, the Israel that many of us thought is gone and no longer exists. And, you know, this, this uh, communal, the communal bonds that tie us and, and the, uh, the, the Israeli ethos that many have, uh, um, you know, decried that has been lost. You see that in the demonstration. Another element that you see, and I've been to several demonstrations, I actually spoken to, you have been in several places, you have speakers, so I've spoken to, and I could get a better sense of the, uh, of the crowd. Um, another two, three characteristics is one, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the endurance of the demonstration. This, this has been going on for 13 weeks running. Everyone thought you know, it'll run out of steam, um, that it will weaken, that people will say, yeah, I've been last week, no point in going this week, too crowded. Uh, too dangerous, raining, uh, what have you. Uh, no, it, it, in fact, they grow week after week. It started with 40,000 and it reached just in Tel Aviv and it's been, it, it reached over uh, 320,000 last Saturday, two nights ago. The second characteristic is the, uh, the age group. The, uh, um, if you look at the demographics and the age uh, cohorts, you see that these demonstrations are not your typical center, center left, liberal, um, um, primarily yes, but, but they are not exclusively your center, center left, liberal uh, um, crowds. You have religious and you have older people and you have a younger generation. In fact, one of the slogans of the demonstration in the last uh, uh, two or three weeks has been, uh, Mr. Netanyahu, you're messing around with the wrong generation. Meaning, okay, we understand what you did here in the last decade, it stops here. And the last uh, characteristic um, is the, 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 the wide scale use, and you saw that in pictures, I'm sure many of the listeners, those listeners who have been uh, watching, uh, the use of flags. Um, you wouldn't think much of it, but the flag was sort of expropriated by the right wing, you know, as a sign of, uh, I wave the flag, ergo, I'm a patriot, you don't, you don't wave the flag. You're a cosmopolitan, I don't care much, you know, latte drinking, wine sipping, could live in Berlin or in Washington, D.C. just as easily. No. Uh, what you see here is a combination of the uh, top echelons of the, uh, of the Israel Defense Forces and the top echelons of the economy and the high-tech sector and the academic world. And today, the the Histadu, the, 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 the trade union um, um, federation, which is the equivalent of the AFL-CIO in the US. Uh, they joined and today was a, they called for a general strike, which was uh, uh, kept almost uh, um, hermetically throughout the day. So in these demonstrations, you see a spirit that you thought um, dissipated during the years. And you know, if, if during the last few uh, election cycles, you could say, all right, you know, the, the gluten that holds the center, center left is this, uh, 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 hatred and aversion toward Mr. Netanyahu, it's still there. But now, now, they're, now they're fighting for something else. Now it's, about, it's all about democracy. Netanyahu is just seen as, as another part of the problem. Um, this, is, this is about an assault on a general, comprehensive, deep, fundamental assault on democracy. And the, and the demonstrations not only reflect that, but it seems at least uh, that they believe in what they're doing. So Netanyahu thinks... Well, I don't know what he thinks, but apparently 
he's postponing uh, proceeding with the judicial reforms. But, you know, as as we've said, it comes at a high price, this uh, militia or National Guard. Um, but the announcement that came from Ben Gavir's group said postponing until after the spring recess. Right. Um, uh, you know, other reports I've seen said till the summer. I don't know what Netanyahu is going to see. But what does he buy with that? I mean, are the demonstrators just going to go away and then come back in two months? Uh, is there going to be pressure following the deal with Ben Gavir? Are there other issues? What, what, do, what do you think is going to happen? Well, okay, here's the thing. What he thinks he's buying is time. He thinks that buying this time would diminish the, uh, uh, the intensity of the demonstrations. Uh, will take the uh, the sting out of the uh, of the uh, entire uh, protest movement, um, and he did it for a reason. Um, there were two possibilities uh, he stood in front of right now, and I'm not sure they're going to change. But here they are. Um, he may not have had the majority, you know, with the uh, uh, with the statement, the proclamation that the defense minister made uh, yesterday, that he intends. I'm sorry that he intends to vote against uh, uh, these uh, uh, these amendments to the basic laws curtailing the judiciary and turning Israel effectively into a uh, semi-authoritarian uh, anocracy. Um, he may not have had the majority, but worse than that, we all talk about a constitutional crisis, David. Fact is, we're being engulfed by by an almost constitutional crisis. The real constitutional crisis would have occurred a week or two weeks from now when these laws would have passed a third reading in parliament in the Knesset for the benefit of uh, the listeners, I'll explain, uh, you know, the, 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 how a bill becomes a law from sixth grade. Okay, uh, Israeli version. A law has to pass a preliminary reading and then three readings in between each uh, the Knesset committee or the congressional committee uh, uh, for comparison, uh, makes amendments and changes, takes out issues, uh, um, clauses, adds clauses. Once it turns in, once it passes, I'm sorry, a third reading, it is ready to be presented to the Knesset for a, uh, as a law. That's when the Supreme Court um, um, entertains petitions and appeals. The Supreme Court, in a, with a very, very high likelihood, uh, David, would have struck down most of these laws. That would have presented Netanyahu with a real constitutional crisis. Do you abide by the Supreme Court decision, i.e. the rule of law, or do you defy the Supreme Court and thus throwing in Israel into complete constitutional chaos? He thinks, he thinks that by postponing this until July, enough time will pass uh, uh, for some kind of of, of understanding the, 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 the level of the opposition and the intensity of the demonstrations will, um, uh, um, be, will be subdued. And then, and then by, by July, he will pass not all of it as one package, but two or three laws, then another one, and then another one. Thing is, um, this man has a major, Netanyahu has a major uh, credibility deficit. No one, no one on either the left the right, or for that matter, the center, believes him. He, his, his track record on making political promises and pledges and, and statements is that he is almost, his default position 
is to manipulate, manipulate and probably lie. And so I don't think this will hold until July. And I don't think the demonstrations will be subdued. The U.S. relationship with Israel is a special relationship. And we've seen that in good ways and bad over the years. Recently, I personally have found the commentary, and I'm very supportive of the Biden administration generally, but I personally have found their commentary regarding this to be at least publicly muted. Uh, Even this weekend with 600,000 people in the streets, they were talking about compromise. Um, You know, it doesn't seem to me to be terribly healthy to compromise around fundamental issues of democracy like judicial independence. Um, And that, in fact, every compromise with a fundamental issue of democracy ends up being a dilution or diminution of the democracy. uh, And that, of course, is dangerous. Another thing that I found troubling about all of this, you were the person who brought it to my attention, is that apparently Netanyahu has been invited to the summit of democracies, even yeah. though you know he he seems hell bent on diminishing the democracy. And, and by the way, this isn't his first swing at it, right? The last time he was prime minister, they had uh, I guess, what was it a citizenship law, you know that and and other things. Uh, that 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 also reduced um, democratic protections in Israel. What do you think about the response of the uh, Biden administration? Well, okay, so so I'll tell you two things that that may seem somewhat contradictory. Um, on the one hand, I, I think it would be wrong for Israelis to expect the Biden administration to bail them out to save Israel from itself. I mean, this 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 appeal to the U.S. help us save us is is somewhat ridiculous. Um, and to assume that the, that the U.S. is is inclined or willing or, or is actually um, interested um, in making a a, um, a a major intervention in another country's domestic politics seems to be uh, uh, far fetched. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, the American administration uh, um, was you know bland van- tofu vanilla sugarless tofu vanilla. It was, now I I don't fault them for being amazed because if you look at the uh, trajectory of of the US response, you do see an intensification. You do see a a dynamic of escalation. You know, it started, David, before the uh, government was formed, after the election, before the government was formed. Um, Then it wasn't an administration, It it was Senator Bob Menendez who was then and still is the uh, uh, chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, who warned Netanyahu publicly uh, not to form a coalition with these characters, uh, with the with the extreme right wing. Um, then came anonymous American concerns from the National Security Council, the State Department, and around the White House. All those euphemisms uh, that the U.S. is unhappy if Net- would be unhappy and 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 gravely concerned if Netanyahu authorizes or, or uh, indeed, in, in, you know, bestows on these two gentlemen, Ben Gvir and another uh, guy, uh, Betzalel Smotrich, any sensitive portfolio. Well, he did just that. Then Secretary of State Anthony Blinken came here for no apparent reason uh, uh, pertaining to his role as Secretary of State and essentially stood next to Netanyahu in a press conference and admonished and criticized and educated him 
on the basic tenets of democracy and, and lauded uh, civil society, i.e. the uh, demonstration. Then came um, a Biden um, exchange of emails with Tom Friedman in the New York Times. Then came another statement from uh, uh, Blinken. Then came a 45-minute phone conversation between Netanyahu and Biden. All throughout, David, all throughout, um, the U.S. administration, the Biden administration, did not invite Netanyahu to Washington. That's a big deal because a trip to Washington and a visit to the White House and a photo op at the Oval um, is a coronation of sorts for any American, for any Israeli uh, incoming prime minister. And Netanyahu is no different, even though he's, he's done it three or four times before. Um, and he, in fact, is the first of the last 13 uh, Israeli prime ministers, himself included, that within 90 days of being inaugurated has neither visited nor been invited uh, to the White House. And that says something about, about how, how the U.S. feels about him. At the same time, at the same time, just, you know, one last observation about this. At the same time, the U.S. keeps on using this, this really sanctimonious language, compromise that you mentioned, um, dialogue, consensus, consent. Um, it's as if they either are ignoring or totally misunderstand the, uh, uh, the scope, the scale, and the uh, uh, seriousness of this crisis. This is a crisis that is threatening the very foundation of the U.S.-Israeli relationship, which since, certainly since the fall, the disintegration of the Soviet Union is based on shared values, not, not on uh, arms deals and not on containing communism, on shared values. And Israel is actively retreating from those shared values. And the U.S. is calling for consent and compromise and half, let's meet halfway. Sounds sort of, you know, weird. Democracy summit? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, first I saw that the Biden administration has disinvited or neglected or deliberately neglected to invite uh, Turkey and Hungary because those countries do not qualify as democracies. Um, then I saw that Mr. Netanyahu was not only invited, uh, but that he's also scheduled to uh, um, speak on the uh, interplay of democracy and economics. Okay, even on the assumption that the invitation was extended before this uh, uh, judicial uh, recalibration uh, or, or regime changing uh, campaign has been launched, um, there's still time to disinvite. And uh, by the way, they, they may still disinvite him, let's say, or at least uh, um, cancel his uh, speaking rights. That would, be, that would be a major step for the administration. I'm not encouraging, encouraging them to do so. I don't know what the, uh, uh, the parameters and, 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 you know, and uh, uh, principles that guide them when granting someone the, the, the speaking uh, opportunity, but that he, under these circumstances, uh, um, is speaking about democracy, come on. This is... This is like Al Capone talking about the importance of law enforcement um, at Wrigley Field. This is ridiculous. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. And an opportunity for the Biden administration to send a strong message. The flip side is if he goes to this thing and then goes back to Israel afterwards and guts the judiciary, um, it makes the... I think, I, think, I think it's Zoom. I think it's remote. I'm not well, sure he's... 
going to travel to Washington. Otherwise, well, okay. If, if, in, excuse me, you're absolutely right. But but in any event, uh, the following this, you know, he 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 speaks or participates and then goes and strikes a blow against democracy. It's I, I don't I don't think it uh, enhances the credibility of the event. Uh, and by the way, there's also the, the the Mexican president who's also doing right. his work against democracy who's participating. So it's not just Netanyahu. Let me ask you one last question. You know, a lot of the debate around uh, Israel has been colored recently by an effort by Netanyahu and the far right to suggest that any criticism of the Israeli government uh, amounts to veiled anti-Semitism. Um, and, uh, you know, this has to do with, uh, you know, uh, everything from the BDS movement to speaking out on behalf of the Palestinians, um, et cetera. Uh, and a number of U.S., you know, Jewish organizations have sort of picked up on this, this theme. Personally, I think it's very important for there to be a distinction in every country, not just Israel, between the government and the people and the identity of the country. Uh, and so, you know, one can be critical of an administration or a leader uh, and still have good feelings and relations with the people of that country. I, I was just wondering how you know, the, 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 all this colors that in your eyes, because it seems to me these, the, 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 the Netanyahu and the far right are abusing the support that they've had for a long, long time. Yes, to be, to be, uh, uh, to be fair, uh, you can make the argument, David, that Israel has been abusing it even before Netanyahu. Uh, but to be fair to Israel, Look, what Netanyahu is doing is classical textbook 101, whatever cliche we want to use here, uh, populist demagogue, populist demagogic uh, um, um, manipulation. He's taking something that has a grain of truth in it um, and then extrapolating it and blowing it completely out of proportion. The grain of, there's a grain of truth in that some anti-Israeli criticism over the years was tainted or polluted by anti-Semitism. However, you can, you can criticize Israel without being an anti-Semite. In fact, uh, uh, Mr. Netanyahu enjoys the support of a lot of Americans who would qualify as being uh, in a separate, in a, in a unique category of anti-Semites who love Israel. Um, and, and he has a lot of those friends in the MAGA movement and he had them in the Tea Party movement that preceded MAGA. Um, but I think he's absolutely taken advantage of it, but he's done something even worse in terms of American support, David. And, and I think I wrote about it as, as have you in some instances. Um, Netanyahu deliberately um, departed from, from, a, from the principle of, of Israel as a bipartisan issue. Now bipartisanship on Israel from an Israeli point of view, not from an American congressional point of view, is that is that you would do everything you can you possibly can religiously uh, um, actively uh, not to make Israel a wedge issue for years since the 70s at least for decades it worked 
the, the, uh, uh, the sources of support for Israel on the Democratic side and on the Republican side come from different origins. Uh, they, they are different in style, characteristic, and, 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 and uh, content. But nonetheless, Israel was not a wedge issue. He first began turning it into a wedge issue around the time that the GOP began to change its face, meaning in the, in the mid-90s when Newt Gingrich was Speaker of the House. And, 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 and there was this anti-Bill anti Clinton uh, uh, thing about uh, uh, the Republican Party that, that pulled it way to the right. Um, as, a, as, a, uh, um, as, as an antecedent to, to, to the Tea Parties, as a preamble to, to MAGA. But then uh, when Obama became president, Netanyahu went full replacement theory. He's replacing American Jews with evangelical Christians. He's replacing bipartisanship with a um, alignment with the GOP. Um, he has uh, basically severed ties with the Democrats. He, pay, he plays the game if a Democrat the Democratic Senator, a member of the House, a governor, uh, or indeed an administration member uh, uh, comes to Jerusalem, he will meet him and pretend that, you know, that there's, there's, uh, there's always been a keen friendship and, and, and love between them. But you see it in his, uh, you, how he never got along with uh, Clinton, how he detested Obama, the bromance that he had with, um, with Trump. And this is how, and why am I saying all this? Because this, is, this is, has become an instrument for him uh, to use inside Washington to abuse that, that support and diplomatic cover that for years he's been getting from, from, uh, uh, from the US. So much so that in some red states, some Republican uh, controlled states, you have anti-BDS laws which, you know, BDS is a horrible thing, but, but he turned the BDS from a cockroach into a, uh, um, into a dinosaur, into a huge uh, murderous uh, uh, beast. Um, the BDS was never like that. And, and he's the one who's trying to blur the distinction between uh, criticizing Israel and being an anti-Semite, except for one thing, David. He's adding himself into the equation. Meaning, if you dislike Netanyahu, if you criticize Netanyahu, ergo, you're discrediting Israel, which makes you, by extension, an anti-Semite. Uh, this is, you know, this is a modern uh, incarnation of, uh, of Louis XIV. He is the state and he's responsible for world jury, uh, which is why some of the reaction, not all, but most of the reaction, some and most of the reaction amongst American Jews has been... Um, um, encouraging um and we'll you know we'll have to wait and see how this internal crisis in israel affects relations with american jury and the american political system there have been encouraging signs you know letters about two letters that have been signed one by 92 members of the house all democrats and one by 16 jewish lawmakers that's been encouraging but to go back to your point yes uh, um, he's been abusing that support and manipulating it uh, constantly. And what really uh, astonishes me, astonishes me, is, is how administration after administration, people in, in D.C., in, in, within the U.S. government, continue to willingly buy this manipulation and subject themselves to it. Yes, they're mitigating circumstances, you know, never turn Israel into an issue. We're entering an election year. Why would I uh, um, alienate the pro-Israel uh, community? Okay, these are mitigating circumstances in a, 
in a defining crisis as we are as we are facing now, I just don't see any justification for anyone to maintain their um, uh, you know their uh, lax attitude when they see what Netanyahu is doing. Yeah, totally agree with you. And just as I might add a final word of my own. I think that this is a very important moment for people in the U.S. to step up like the people of Israel have if having democracy in the Middle East matters. And by the way, I set aside the issue of the democratic, uh, well, I don't set it aside. I acknowledge the issue that that Palestinians living within Israel's border have not had uh, certain fundamental democratic rights. And I strongly believe that that is an issue that must be addressed. But the further erosion of democratic rights in Israel is an issue that strongly requires um, uh, people in the United States to stand up and say, this is not the same as the past. Netanyahu's crossing lines, the risks are great. Um, it's not just judicial reform. We've seen other things in the past. This. Uh, prospect of this uh, uh, militia, as you call it, is is deeply disturbing. Uh, and so it's time for people, and I, I personally believe it's time for the administration to say, look, you do this, all bets are off. You know, no blank check, um, uh, no visits, uh, the kind of support you've had in the past uh, will be uh, paused. Um, and, you know, when you know the the you know we move on and the country turns the page from this chapter and uh, presumably uh, seeks to restore both democracy and relations. Then we can move on from it. But uh, tiptoeing around this issue is only likely to make it worse. Uh, and uh, you know I I I I also think the American people have a lot to learn uh, from the courage and and energy of the Israelis going out and using their right to peaceful assembly and free speech to say, no, we're not going any further. And 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 frankly, uh, given some of the things we've seen in the U.S. with Trump, who's likely to be in a very similar position uh, and who is running for president for the same reason to protect himself from the law, uh, I, I think we need to pay close attention to all of this. So I'm so glad you were able to spend some time with us. Uh, I suspect for all the reasons we said here that we're going to continue this conversation in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, and I look forward to it. Um, and uh, so thank you a lot. Thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back again soon. Bye-bye.